yeah, I remember I kept reaching down to my own knees throughout the entire birth process, just trying to, I don't know, maybe I was trying to evaluate the dilation or I, I, don't, I have no idea what I was looking for. I was just desperately looking for some kind of clue um, as to how far along I am. And, and so when I felt that very, like that, that amazing little piece of hair and just that his head, it was, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever touched in my life. And Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Heart of the Soul podcast. I'm your host, Amana Mayfield Faulkner, and I am so glad you are here. Yes, you. This is a space where we remember what it means to be wild, human, and alive, breathing life back into storytelling, bringing awareness to the changes our stories make over time. This is a safe place where we honor each other's differences and connect about that which unites us all. I am a woman, a creative entrepreneur, a mother. I am a keeper of both birth and death. I've been holding space for those that are birthing and dying for over a decade. I hope that you might feel a flutter of connection as you listen to this raw, unedited conversation today is December 27th, 2021. I'm located in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. It's winter here and there's a fresh blanket of snow on the ground. I have been feeling super cocooned recently, lying on the couch, gazing at our fire, watching the snowfall, reading and doing nothing. And it has been wonderful. I am delighted to have Eliza with me today and have been looking forward to this conversation with her. I first heard her speak on the Free Birth Society podcast, the tone of her voice, the depth of her story sharing, and the way she began with her own birth story. She touched my soul. Eliza, I would love to invite you to introduce yourself, tell listeners where you are in the world, and begin sharing that which you feel called. A deep heartfelt welcome to all of you who are listening and a much, much great thank you to Diarmana for inviting me into this special space that she has created. My name is Elisa, I'm 26 years old and I'm a mother, a radical birth keeper, an artist, a photographer, a woman and a sister. And my deep belief is that together we will birth the new earth. Um, as a transformational birth coach, I work with strong women who are ready to fully set themselves free through radical self-responsibility. And my life's mission is to envision and create safe spaces for women where they can rediscover and reconnect with their wombs with them and thrive as maidens, mothers, and crones, mm. supporting each other in all rites of passages that are our birthright as women. I offer life-altering childbirth education that is rooted in a woman's sovereignty and innate physiology. And just 
want to welcome you all back to the Matriarchy Sisters, which is here upon us again. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yes, yes. And where are you in the world today? And what time is it? It's 9 a.m. where I am. I am in the Atlantic Ocean in an island, the Canary Islands, which is part of Spain. And even though it's Europe, it's next to Africa, so next to uh, the Sahara. And it's very sunny here and very warm, and uh, it's 5 p.m. And most probably the sun will set while we're in this conversation. So the lights might change while we're talking. And mm. as I look out, it's very sunny and the palm trees are blowing in the wind and yeah, just beautiful <laughs> over here. Mm. I am living in Paris and not in Paris, next to Paris. Um, I've been living there for the past couple of and so you are a radical keeper of birth and a mentor to women how did you come what was your path and journey to this work I can talk about the the part of the journey that I know this far which is the part of the journey that has happened in my lifetime. Um, and it has started with my own birth, which was, um, which was a, a transfer. So it, my mother wanted a home birth with me, with, with a midwife, and we were transferred into the hospital. And so finally I was born there and everything she had, had wanted for, for us was finally not possible and were separated separated at birth and um, it was a very very traumatic experience for both of us and I have very vivid memories of of this day and um, just decoding this deeply rooted uh, abandonment trauma that I had as entering into this earthly existence has really led me to questioning how I wanted to welcome my own son when I learned that I was pregnant and so I was 25 years old when I um, have learned that this new soul has chosen me to be his mother and um, and so I revisited the story of my own birth and kind of started to untangle what I wanted to keep from that and what I was ready to let go of and, and heal and forgive and, and just find where our story was uh, guiding us to. Um, and I first started working with um, a certified midwife in France, just discovering the whole bureaucratic system around birth there was very, it was very challenging and, um, yeah, I never had a lot of connection with uh, the allopathic medicine in general because I was lucky enough or I don't know if lucky is the good word, but um, yeah, I, I grew up in a family where just the idea around health was very different than how allopathic medicine describes health. And so I didn't have a lot of connection experiences with this system. And 
Um, so, kind of may I ask what was it like in your family, this view of health and the way of being healthy in your family? One of the, the main beliefs in my family was always that you are what you eat and, and how health is something that is holistic and cannot only mean the health of the body. And I was from kindergarten until uh, end of high school, I was in, in a Waldorf school system, which is known for this holistic view of not just wanting to fill the child as, as this empty vase with intellectual knowledge, but where our teachers were, our mentors and our guides who were modeling to us a way of life where body, mind, and soul are equally important and cared for. And so for me, when, I'm, when I stepped into the first midwife's office, it's, as I learned that I was pregnant, she kept asking me all kinds of questions about my body and and at question 65 I was like wait but why aren't you asking me about anything else like this is like at this that's this is not all that I am and and there are so many other aspects of of my personhood and so that was kind of the first red flag for me that's okay so maybe this is like maybe there is more to this and maybe this is not the good place to look for the kind of care that I'm mm-hmm. envisioning for myself or feeling like I need. Yes. Had you witnessed birth before? Had you known other people who had had babies? What was your connection to like birth at that time as you were navigating your own was coming? Um, I knew a couple of people who like from my friend circle who who've had babies but they were all or older than me like 10 15 years older than me and from my close circle of friends I was the first one to to step on the journey of motherhood so I didn't have any women or men in my life who who have through through the experience of whom I would have been able to observe this journey. I mean, that's not completely true because my partner, he is a dad. He, when I met him, he already was a dad of three children. So he was the, the only model that I had, but his children, they were older. So I, I didn't, um, I wasn't present for, for the birth of these children, obviously. Yes. yes. So did you yeah, always- no, I didn't yeah people around me did you always know that you wanted to be a mother no 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 when I was a teenager I went through a period of of feeling like um it was empowering to say it out loud that I don't want to have a baby and that no one can tell me what to do and and nobody can give me this recipe of how I'm supposed to live my life and and at that moment, it, it rang very true to me to say that. And, mm-hmm. and then a while later, I, I was, yeah, I just felt like, okay, that might not be true for me, actually. And, and I have the right to change my mind. So I did. Absolutely. And... <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. And, and well, it's, yeah. And it's actually very funny because 
a couple of months before I became pregnant, I started never in my life I did this before, but I started looking up YouTube YouTube videos of of home births and free birds. And I I didn't really understand this sudden fascination <laughs> with um just looking at these very raw images of um of people coming into this earthly existence and and then a couple of months later I understood it all like the pieces all came together <laughs> yes and your son's conception was unexpected is that correct yes definitely yes. would you like to yeah, share yeah. a little bit yeah sure um so I was uh, I finished my bachelor deg degree in in fine arts in Paris and I was not exactly sure of the next step and and I applied for a master's degree at the same university and I wasn't enjoying it that much because it was not exactly what I have imagined and it was it, I just kind of went with a flow for a couple of weeks there and I um and I was about to like I was creating a plan for myself for the coming years and as soon as I had that plan in place, which was uh, to go to Costa Rica for an exchange program and learn Spanish and then go and do um, residencies for artists all around the world and just travel and really focus on my career, career as an artist, I, um, I learned that I was pregnant and I was so pissed the first moment when I found out because it was literally the first time in my life that I had a concrete plan for the next two or three years and and it just all I just had to find a new constellation for all those elements and um, yes you're you weren't mentally maybe prepared for your maidenhood to like shift into motherhood I don't think so no mm -hmm. I I don't know if it's, it's maybe for some people it's possible I for me it was impossible I just I just really felt like it had to happen like like this because I don't know when I would have felt ready if if my son doesn't tell me that okay whether you're ready or not I'm coming now yes yes and actually it felt very much like he he saw me and his papa meeting each other and and very quickly so we knew each other for nine months when um, we've been together nine months when um, when he was there and and so it very much felt like to me that he was just waiting for us to to like get together and and then as soon as we were he he was ready to come yes Yes. So, well, yeah. What was this pregnancy like for you in this transition unexpectedly into motherhood and preparing birth? You said you saw a midwife for a little while. Um, yeah. So I learned about my pregnancy in November, 2019. I, my baby was conceived the 7th of November and it was actually a very one of the weirdest experiences of my life because on this day the 7th of November I was at a university class and I was taking notes and it was a big lecture like three and a half hours long and 
art philosophy and just all of the like really really deep stuff and and my mind kind of wandered and I started doodling in my in my notebook and and I I did I, I drew something and I didn't understand it at all and it was it was a sun where the rays of the sun were sperms who were coming around the egg and I didn't understand why like where did this come from I've never been interested in this kind of stuff and and um, so time goes by, a couple of weeks pass. And on the 28th of November, I found out that I was pregnant. And so I went back in my notebook and I looked at this drawing and the date. And, and it was literally the moment when, when my son was conceived. And it was just, yeah, the most, the, the channeling that happened there. I still don't yes. understand how, how it was possible. It's amazing. Amazing. And this this drawing actually was um, was what inspired my logo, and so um, I kind of put put it into this. Um, yeah, I wanted to keep this image as uh, as the timelessness of this of this moment of conception, and yeah, I wanted to bring that with me into into my work as as a birth worker so yes it's a beautiful way to like honor that journey within yourself and your son and to bring that forward because we are all yes transformed by birth and motherhood and you're mm -hmm. bringing your wisdom and knowledge to other women I think that is so beautiful yeah yeah so um then on to my pregnancy, it was, it was actually very lonely. I, I remember feeling lonely most of the time. Um, I, we went back to Budapest with my partner for um, like after Christmas. And, and then we came back at the beginning of January. And then we spent two months looking for a place because we weren't living together at this point. So I told him that I, like we have to move by the beginning of March. And again, I, I only understood afterwards why this date was important. And I, after it felt like it was actually my placenta that was really giving us the message of this date. And so we did find a place and we moved on the 2nd of March and two weeks later, everything was shut down. And I was just so grateful that we, that we respected this, this inner desire that I had to, to have everything done by this date because it was important to have at least um, the presence of my partner and, and his children around me in the next couple of months where I wasn't allowed to meet in any other human being. So, so yeah, that was important. Mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. your inner wisdom you knew a part of you knew that those dates were important yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so like I said it was very it was a very lonely time for me I I was craving feminine physical presence and my family is living in Budapest so we weren't really able to see each other for most of my pregnancy um, my parents and my sister finally came in the beginning of July, which was the beginning of my ninth month. So I spent my entire pregnancy with three boys. 
<laughs> which was a big challenge, but um, I'm grateful for all the lessons that that time has given me. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was, I was working with uh, a certified midwife um, who I was seeing once a month. And I also met up with a doula who was living nearby. And, and so I had like every second week I met with either my doula or my midwife, but it wasn't enough. I, I just felt like I, I really wanted to be around women. And um, yes, at that time, yeah. were, were people meeting, you know, out in parks and things or were people very much staying at home where you were in France? Uh, people were pretty much staying at home and the, the place where we live is actually, so we moved there, um, just two weeks before quarantine. And so Mm -hmm. to this day, I don't know a lot of people around because the general mood is, is quite fearful. And so, especially at this time, I had a lot of like I, I was trying to like go out and just manifest those connections and and people were just so scared. So yeah, it took quite some time actually to to find those connections there. Yeah. But you were not scared at that time to go out and be with people. No, I wasn't. I I never really felt like um I, I have a very hard time seeing other human beings as the enemy that is and it's not just that I have a hard time like I refuse to do that I don't believe on any level that we are each other's enemies and the moment we start to fear the physical presence of others and the human connection is the moment we lose our humanity because that's all we have yes yes I absolutely agree with you. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So, working with those two women was um, kind of answering to my needs as like the needs for connection and the needs for feminine presence. But towards the end of my pregnancy, I started more and more feeling that my midwife was like really not um, in alignment with how I imagined things. And, and more and more, I started to realize that she was not there to serve me. She was there to do the thing, do the things the way she wanted to do them and bring the hospital into my home. And, um, it was quite late uh, that I realized that this is not going to work. The two of us together is just, just either she will not have what she wants or I will not have what she wants. And I had to choose who was more important. And my partner was a very um, solid rock for me in that very, um, Yeah, it was, it was a very, very, um, I don't even know the right word for this, but it felt like being out on the ocean in a huge storm and just 
feeling like I'm being cut loose from the big ship and just going around by myself. And I have left also the ground and I haven't slept for a week. And it was after a big conversation or rather a big fight between my doula and my midwife where I finally realized that I like I cannot invite this woman into my space because she's scared of women in their power and mm -hmm. she doesn't stand to be in the presence of women who are connected with their inner wisdom and who are asking questions and so yeah I felt very much betrayed and I felt like um, I spent all this time getting to know a person and sharing with her my most vulnerable thoughts and fears and and all of the things that I was going through um, on the journey of my pregnancy and and she just didn't get it and so my partner had, had asked me whether like what what do you think about just let's just not call her and and when I heard him say that and I just allowed myself to imagine if I couldn't like could I be okay with that I I had such a deep yes in me that I knew that this this is the way it was meant to be from the beginning and and that's how I could actually fear like I, I could feel grateful for this woman and all the nasty things that she's done because she has allowed me to come to the realization that I don't need anyone to give birth I just need myself my uterus and my baby in my uterus and that's it and yeah it was it was very liberating to mm. say the least to yes yes just allow myself to imagine this beautiful transformation in in my most powerful state possible and yeah yeah so as you sort of sounds like in that ninth month you sort of reimagined what your birth might look like and who would be there and yeah how did that all come together for you I actually found Free Birth Society in uh, the second trimester of my pregnancy. And I remember seeing these stories, like hearing the stories and, and reading the words and just feeling like, wow, like this is, this is amazing, but I, I don't know if I can do this. Let's just try it for the first time with someone there and then maybe for the next one. And but it was it was there it was definitely there and yeah i i think that it was how i see it is that i i was more paying attention to what this baby wanted me to do in preparation for the birth and in the beginning it felt like I wasn't listening to this baby so much or the baby wasn't communi communicating it so much in the beginning. So the ninth month was really where things shifted and a lot of, like most of the work was, was done in that last month. And um, I'm really grateful that, that it, it did happen because it, it changed, it changed everything. I really do believe that yeah, birth changes everything and how we're born impacts literally everything. Yes. Everything. Yes. 
Yeah. Birth matters so deeply. Yeah. Yes. It really does. And for yeah. your with your own birth, did you come in your own time? Do you know that? I did. Yes. Everything happened um, naturally up to the point where there was uh, meconium in in, uh, in the waters and then the midwife started listening to the heartbeat frequently and she interpreted those things as um, a very serious risk to my health and I'm pretty sure that it wasn't the case but I know that my parents they were really scared when they heard that because they didn't even imagine that something could go wrong. And the kind of childbirth education that was available in Hungary in the 90s compared to what we have today with the internet and just being able to connect with anyone at any point of the globe is, yeah, it's very, very different. There was this midwife who, who I've actually connected with before my birth. It was a very beautiful connection. She was uh, a certified midwife as well. And she was very much, her work is a lot, a lot inspired by Michel Audin mm -hmm. and the work he did in, in France in the seventies. And uh, yeah, so she was kind of navigating how to, um, how to be a certified midwife but be in service of the families. And she's had a lot of like a lot of good stories and a lot of bad stories and just trying to stay afloat. And finally the system crushed her down completely. And, and yeah, the whole or ordeal prison and trials and, and all the all the stuff out there, the classic witch hunt. So um, yeah. Yeah, but I know that I came in my own own time. On time, yes. Yeah. Um, I remember you speaking about, and I experienced this as well, is like the time that people often describe as like the thinning of the veil in those last like weeks and days of pregnancy where I remember just, yeah, sort of being in a, like almost a cosmic bubble and not really taking in so much anymore from other people and turning more inward and having less focus on what other people were saying around me or what was happening. Uh, for you, how were those last weeks as you awaited your son's arrival? Pretty much exactly what you described. <laughs> Like I, I, I remember vividly not listening to the conversations and feeling like everyone was like so far away and the, the sounds were so far away and, and how I was like, I couldn't even find the interest in myself to, to make an effort to follow the line of the conversation. And um, I spent a lot of time in nature in the last couple of weeks and it was, it was very, very hot um, in, in July and August. And um, 
And I was very much like I felt a very deep desire to be in water and to be in this suspended state and just not feel the heaviness of the earth and the pulling of, of the gravity. And um, the day before my birth, my sister gave me a craniosacral therapy session, which was which it, it was it, it helped me to release some um, some ten tension that I had in my hip. I did some uh, some work with um, with a doula friend who works with water, and it was a couple of weeks prior. and And I remember her telling me that she felt like my hip was uh, was not really open yet. And so, with my sister, with it, we did this session of um, of opening up the hip and. And I really felt like something something happened there, and then we went for a big walk. And um, and your sister and mother were with you during these days and weeks prior to his birth. Yeah, yeah. yeah so my mom and dad they came uh, they came to France by car, and then my sister joined us, and then my brother joined us, and then my sister's wow. boyfriend joined wow. us as well, and. And they weren't staying with us, um, but they were close by. And um, the night of their, the arrival of my sister's boyfriend was when my sensation started. And I was kind of joking with her um, when I felt the first couple of sensations that, oh, the baby was just waiting for the third king to arrive. And now he's ready to come. <laughs> And um, yeah, but the, the presence of the man was, um, it felt like a further protective circle. So they weren't so much in my space. My partner, yes, but not the others. And my sister and mother, they were very much present. They're so sweet. They actually did a doula training, both of them before. Wow. Um, because they really wanted to be able to help me in uh, in an intelligent way if if that's what I wanted and so they were yeah they were just amazing <sighs> makes me so nostal nostalgic to go back to revisiting this <laughs> yes and how did his labor begin yeah so um so we did this uh this work with my sister this body work and then I was floating in in water and um and then I was like really in a hurry to go home that night and uh and so we went home and I was laying in my bed and I started feeling some like intense menstrual cramps once that I like I haven't felt this uh, this much cramping before when I had my um, when I was bleeding but um, it that's like that's how I would describe it that's what it felt like and I kept going all night long and we went out for a walk in the park with my partner and I just remember being very annoyed and just not wanting anything and just not comfortable anywhere and um 
until we went back, back up and he prepared the whole space, he lit some candles and he was just so, yeah, he was, he was holding the space beautifully for me. And um, so his two older boys, they were at home, they were asleep in their room and I felt their presence a lot. And I was very concerned that they're there and I didn't want to like scare them or bother them. And, and so when my mom and sister came over around, I don't know, maybe six in the morning, then my mom dropped them off with uh, some family. And, and that's where things really started to, to intensify and um yeah I was I was just walking around the apartment we had a birth pool I went into the water out of the water my voice really opened up when the boys left that was a very big different like that was a big shift that I noticed I was like wow okay so that's what was keeping me uh from really like allowing myself to go with this process and and um you, I had a dear friend who, uh, who came as well, um, who was taking some beautiful photographs. And uh, yeah, it just kept going and going and going and no sense of time, no sense of space. and no. Just feeling completely lost. <laughs> Do you remember what sort of sounds you, you, that came out of you in that period of time? Were they like deep, deep moans? Were they more melodic? Do you even remember? I know I don't remember everything I about my no birth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I, thinking I, I was I, loud and then people telling me you weren't <laughs> loud. I was like, I thought I was being loud, but yeah. <sighs> I don't remember, to be honest. I, I don't remember almost like... I remember that my eyes were closed most of the time. And I remember that I was vocalizing. And I remember that because I had a fear before um, about not being able to open up like the throat chakra. And and so when I heard the sounds that, that came out, I was, I was like, okay, it's all fine. It's coming out, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't remember like at what time happened what and I, I don't no I don't remember those things either <laughs> yeah yeah it's such a special place isn't it where yeah. we go and um, yeah it's just so interesting how in the in that moment I was desperately looking for the things that I read and learned and I couldn't access any of it and afterwards, I tried to go back to what I was going through in the birth process, and I couldn't remember any of it. It's just like a, a blank uh, 24 hours and where the lights turned up, uh, symbolically speaking, was when I felt my son's head crowning and, and that awoke me very much. And, and then from there, it was just so fast. Yes. And so who all was with you in your birthing space? And what, what was the, can you give us sort of a lay of the land? Were you in a room? Where is it bright? Was it dark? Do you remember any of those details or who was there? 
um, I was in our bedroom and just before the emergence, um, I was feeling like I was dying and I kept apologizing to my partner that I'm sorry, but I can't do this. And I'm so sorry. And, um, and then a, a neighbor actually rang the bell. Um, and then, so my partner, he went to deal with them and it was just so ridiculous because, um, one of our neighbors thought that, uh, that he was hitting me and that's why I was screaming because oh. my partner is a black man and we live in this um, weird complex where, where people just would assume that directly, even though they saw that I had a huge belly and they didn't even think that I was giving birth. And so this neighbor went to talk to like the, the, the head of the building who came to ring the bell. Oh. And so I heard the bell and I heard my partner just screaming no she's giving birth leave us alone and just smash the door and (laughs) um yeah and then um that was not so much like that was just a little before um the transition and so um yeah that was kind of that was a little bit of it, it kind of brought me back this experience and um, and I felt very much bothered. Like I was thrown off a little bit by, by this and just feeling the presence of all those people around us in the different apartments. And yes. um, yeah, and then not so long after I was uh, left alone in the room for a while, which was very, very nice. Because even though I invited all of these people into the space, today I'm not sure whether it was the best of the choices that I could make. It was very important for me in that moment, but I wouldn't do it again like this because I think that's it would have been a lot faster if hadn't all these people been there. So my mother was there, my sister was there, my partner was there, a friend, a dear friend Zoe, who was taking photos and my doula popped in as a friend um, for an hour and then she left so she wasn't there um, for the whole thing but she she came and gave us some support and she was actually um, suggesting to all the other people there to give us some space and to kind of just leave the room and and let us be just my partner and, and I and and yeah, and so when when crowning was happening, I was in, in our room on the mattress. I was kneeling and my mother was on one side, my sister on the other, and my partner was in front of me. And um, yeah, I remember I kept reaching down to my own knees throughout the entire birth process, just trying to I don't know, maybe I was trying to evaluate the dilation or I, I, don't, I have no idea what I was looking for. I was just desperately looking for some kind of clue um, as to how far along I am. And, and so when I felt that very, like that, that amazing little piece of hair and just that his head, it was, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever touched in my life. And and um, yeah, at that point, I, I, I woke up and I was very conscious of what was happening. And 
um, yeah, from that from that point on, it was it was fifteen minutes maximum until first his head came out. the The ring of fire was excruciating, and um, I remember turning to my mother and just screaming like, "Is it supposed to hurt this much?" And she was like, "Yes, yes, you're doing amazing. It's supposed to hurt this Aww. much. It's almost over." And and uh, that was a very it was very reassuring to have her there having gone through this with me and my sister and my brother, it was so important to have her wisdom. And uh, yeah, and so the head came and then with the next contraction, the body came as well. And I didn't experience the fetal ejection reflex, but the my baby just kind of, he came out so fast with all the amniotic fluid just coming out with him. It, it was, a lot of like so much relief when he was finally there and we didn't actually know if if it would be a boy or a girl but um now I know so I'm saying he... <laughs> yes, yes yes yeah and so he kind of fell down to the mattress and um and I I remember pausing for a couple of seconds before picking him up and um yeah, I picked him up and just he was in my arms and there were a couple of seconds there which felt very, very long where um, where I thought like he was he was dead and there's no sound, he's not moving, what's happening? And I I was so I was so calm. I every single time when I imagined during my during my pregnancy when I came and like when I when I face this fear that we all have and that is such an important guide for us, what if my baby is dead? Um, I remember not having any fear in that moment. It was just all okay. And and so that moment that felt very very long suddenly passed and he open his little eyes and, and um, I just lost myself in, in those beautiful deep um, black eyes of his and, and then he started to make some gurgly noises and um, and I was caressing him and put him on my breast and and he came to and it was just the most perfect amazing moment ever and since we were already in bed, I just kind of leaned back and and we stayed there. And um, yeah, it was, I remember a time where um, weeks later with my sister were walking and, um, and I told her that I really would like to talk about the birth. And she was like, okay, well, let's talk about the birth. And, and we were silent for a couple of minutes and and I kind of felt weird and I was like, but I don't have anything to say. Like, it was all so normal. Like, what, what are we supposed to talk about? And, and this is really how I feel that it was just part of normal life and there was nothing special. And it was just totally ordinary. Like, of course, it's ecstatic and it's amazing. And it's, I will never forget it for the rest of my life. But, but it just happened so 
yeah, it was just evident. It was all just so, so natural and so obvious. I don't know which, there must be a better- yes, is, is there another word in one of, how many languages do you speak? Um, so my mother is Hungarian. I speak English, French. I used to speak German and a little bit of Spanish. Yes. Is there a word in one of those other languages that feels like it would fit better there? No, <laughs> I, I don't want, I, if I change to another one, then, then this conversation. <laughs> but yes, I, yeah. I agree with what you're saying. It's like this magic and yet it's also just like, like natural and doesn't need any outside anything. It just unfolds in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember a couple of people who told me after I shared um, the good news and just told that he, my son arrived in our home and, and a couple of reactions that, that told me how brave I was and how, um, how it was so, I don't know, courageous. And, and it, it always felt kind of off to me because I didn't feel all those things. I didn't feel like I was doing anything special. Like, there is nothing special about this. It's just birth. And it's just, yeah, it's. And, and yet also like birthing in this way <laughs> is transforming your son's life, your life, the world. Like if, you know, like we speak about birth being this like really potent, important passage in our life. And so it also is really important what you're doing too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe um, a thought I'm having right now is that maybe this is what's so special, having, like, rediscovering these very humane moments that... (laughs) (laughs) There's a little man. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so the ability to rediscover the simplicity of these human experiences feels something very inspiring to me and the families that I'm working with are all amazing examples of this because they all they all feel the same that it's just something that's completely ordinary but in its simplicity, it becomes so deeply transformative of how we always delegate authority and responsibility. And, and so just the act of staying with it and mm-hmm. holding it is not hard to do. It's not complicated, but it's very, very challenging mentally and, and physically and like in every, every sense. Mm, yes and I can relate to that as well and like you know when I free birthed my daughter some people said similar things and I felt sort of similarly where it's you know this is normal and simple and ordinary and yet to people who have only witnessed medical super medicalized birth or in the hospital and didn't even know that it was possible that we as women can birth our babies on our own without anyone so to them, sometimes hearing our stories can be transformative for them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do <laughs> <sighs> you feel like we should wrap up with your son home? Um, I'll just, I just want to ask them what their plan is. Just sure, can we take a, a quick yeah, pause? I'll take, I'll take a pause and I'll go pee while okay. you do that. We'll come back. Cool. Okay. Thanks. All right, we are back after a little break. And now Lisa is going to speak to her placenta and postpartum. We just reached his emergence. And yeah, what would you like to say about the time after that? Oh, it was just complete bliss, the whole, the whole thing. I had a couple of tears around like enough fear around the placenta but I was I remember feeling concerned and not being able to like completely relax until until the birth process was completed and um, the placenta came very easily and very quickly in the I think it was in the hour after the birth I didn't look at the time so I'm not exactly sure but it felt very 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 natural and and um yeah it just all went in its own rhythm and um my baby stayed attached to its placenta for the first maybe 48 hours I had no idea what I wanted to do with it I I have heard about all the different possibilities and and it just felt like I cannot decide this in advance and I will just see in the moment how what feels right and so we kept him attached to the placenta for a couple of like maybe two days. And then his older brothers um, were the ones who, who were holding the candles. We actually did a cord burning ceremony and uh, they were very grateful to be, to be part of the process in this way. And um, yeah, it was all just very sweet and um yeah, I stayed in bed for 40 days. My mother and sister, they stayed on and, and they were supporting me in the postpartum period, which was just so amazing to be able to be nurtured and mothered while I was learning how to mother my baby. And I didn't have a lot of people coming and going, which was very great as well to be able to have that space just for us and breastfeeding was also very easy and it went like it, it was there was just a flow to it all and um very big emotional waves and yeah. a lot of <laughs> a lot of tears and a lot of yeah just sleepless nights of course um but it was I remember feeling just so in love with with my baby, with my new self, with my body and what it has done and with my partner and just with all the people who were there around us and supporting us in this period. It was, it, it was also part of this non-space mom time continuum that, that the birth was. And I was, I had a very gradual, um, coming back to the normal existence which was not the normal existence because it was completely different of course but <laughs> just meaning that 
um, coming back to the daily tasks and just functioning in this world as as a human that is part of the <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, re-entering the space. I would love to know when did you name your son and how did that process go for you? Um, we actually came up with a name for a boy and a girl. Um, my partner dreamt uh, an, of a name which we chose as, uh, as the name if it was a boy. And I made up a name for a girl and so we, when, when we discovered um, that our baby was a boy, then we knew that this was the name and it felt very, very right. But I never, we never used this name before. So we, we weren't calling the baby by a name. Well, it was inside of me. And so my son's name is Nayan Gabriel. And- um, Will you say it again? His name is Nayan, so it's N-A-Y-A-M. It's, Nayan. it's a mirror name that works uh, that way. Yeah. Yeah. And what so does his name mean? Does his name have a meaning that is close to your heart or? It doesn't mean anything. It's it doesn't exist, I think. I mean that's that's what um we were trying to look for any kind of traces, but he literally just woke up one day and he was like, I have this is it. Oh yes, my daughter's yeah. name we made up as well. So we created it and so we what also know uh Charlo with a H A R L O W. Wow. Yeah, so beautiful. <laughs> All these babies communicating their names. So interesting. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, um, I would love to maybe transition towards, yeah, your radical birth keeper and how that came into your sphere and what that looks like for you these days. Yeah, I was... So for my pregnancy, I, I was preparing with, um, with the Free Birth Society's Complete Guide to Free Birth and the presence of the presence and inspiration that Emily and Yolanda have given me through these couple of weeks before the birth. It was just so personal and so intimate and so special. And, and I was, I was, I just felt this very, very strong attraction to be in the presence of these wise women. And, and I knew that I, like, I am on the path of becoming the woman that I wish I had had to be present at my birth. And, and since I didn't find her anywhere, I had to midwife myself in my birth. And, and so I think that that was the moment where I consciously realized that this is this is my path and I never would have thought in my life that I am going to go in this direction and so it was very it took a couple of months for me to accept it actually because I was like it's just so 
is just so cheesy. I give birth and then I want to work in birth. Like <laughs> everyone does that. How can I let me know? At least you have, you have to find something more special. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, this is, it, it's, it's such a deep inner calling. And I think it was Yolanda who mentioned in, in one of our classes together that she feels like there is this energetic heritage that we all have as women to be called into this work and how we don't need the permission of anybody to, to just do the work because we, we are all the descendants of the wise women that's, that were burned and persecuted and, yeah. and it is our work. Yes. For those listeners that may not like fully understand what you, what we mean when we say radical birth keeper, could you define what it means for you? What it means for me is an authentic midwife, um, a wise woman who is there holding another woman's hands when she needs another woman present to just be and not get any advice not be told what to do not yeah not not have another woman just take the space up or the responsibility but just to hold her in whatever she's going through and to hold also the space for the ceremonies that the different rites of passages need to be how how these rites of passages need to be celebrated that we have as women and yeah for me a radical birth keeper is is a woman who is serving her community in, in an authentic way and just being there for everything that is for all the events of life from birth to death yes yes to portals and everything in between yes yes um, what was I going to say? No, I lost it. <laughs> it floated away, whatever it was. <sighs> yeah, so um, I am actually in the process of looking for these roots in my family and I have a very um like a weird certainty that there were midwives in in my family that I don't know of and I've been meaning to retrace this matrilineal heritage that I um that I have but that is not yet in in the conscious knowing part of um of my family stories and um yeah, just it's very humbling to see how both my sister and I, we are we are working with women and, and both of us are tending to healing the wounds of of the women in our families and just femininity in general. And yeah, seeing a lot of um, examples of mothers who are sacrificing themselves for the family life and just looking at all of those um, intergenerational traumas that are here and 
and bringing them into the conscious fear and and becoming more and more certain of um, yeah of shifting these perspectives in in my respective family because I have come into contact with um, thanks to Emily and her great inspiration in free birth society I have started to go deeper and deeper into matriarchal societies and I am starting a course this January for two years um, learning about uh, matriarchal societies all over the world and and I'm really inspired by this work because like on a personal level I am starting the creation of the matriarchal home and just putting women back into the center and the leaders of their families and just feeling the weight of that and and just it's so so interesting to um to discover in myself all these unconscious ways of of being convinced that we do need someone to save us and that we are fragile and we need the whatever when in reality I resonate a lot more with the archetype of the matriarch and just allowing myself to get have the time to grow into this role is is very yeah it's it's a beautiful process actually and I find that um yeah, Emily and Yolanda, they've both been very inspiring to me in this way. Um, and just seeing all these women coming out from the Radical Birthkeeper School, becoming the breadwinners of their families, becoming the ones who are literally leading the whole family forward and just making everything happen. It's just, it's just really beautiful and amazing. Yes, yes. I mean, this work, I feel that you're doing, that we're doing, you know, in this space is like healing the past and like healing the future, healing the present. It's shifting everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I just imagining the world in which our children will be able to live once all the work has been done is just my it has become my my guiding star because I don't think it's it's a coincidence that all of this work is coming up now and yeah it's a lot but it's it's a very humbling work yes yes and I love that you I you spoke to uh, it's coming back to me about um rites of passage that we all especially as women, we have them built into our biology, you know, when we begin menstruating and when we choose to birth, if we birth and that we all experience them, even if they aren't honored and witnessed and held by those around us. But that's some of the work that you and I are both doing to honor and witness women in these rites of passage and create ceremony and ritual for them, which is so important in like, incorporating it in multiple levels in our mind and body and spirit yeah 
And each each of you who are listening, if you have been to an intentional space created for women, either a woman's circle or any other kind of ceremony, then you know what we're talking about because the just the feeling of being in in this intentional space it reminds us that like this is the way it's meant to be and these are the kind of experiences that we're meant to have together and and I'm absolutely certain that women a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago or ten thousand years ago have felt this exact same thing that we're feeling today in 2021 almost 2022 um when we gather because yeah it's just again it's it's a timeless space that we enter into when when we're honoring these rites of passage of of womanhood and of course there are these same kind of experiences available to men and I'm very much looking forward to seeing more of that happening because I feel like as women we are we are doing a lot of work and I really have the prayer in my heart to to see the same kind of healing happening for the men because we've all been harmed by systems of oppression under patriarchy and we all need to do our own work to to weed out what doesn't serve us anymore so I feel very much um hmm, what's the right word what do I feel a lot of things (laughs) I'm just grateful to have a son actually because he will be an amazing mirror for me in seeing how how well I'm doing the work because all the men in the world who are harming women had a mother and come from a mother and have been mothered and yes we can like we we do need to hold the men responsible for the things and the harm that they're doing but we also have to remember that we all have an effect on on each other and and we do need to look at what families those men are coming from and what the dynamics of of the relationships were in those families and and I really do feel like I need to take a good hard look at myself on what I'm teaching to my son because I will be responsible for what, how he will approach women, for how he will look at women, for how he will touch them, for how he will speak to them, for how he will protect them and respect them and love them and honor them. And just, yeah, I, I, I really am curious to, to see the man that he will become. Yes, yes, I've had those very similar thoughts um, with my son as well and in interactions with him as sometimes he, you know, does things to my body in a way that I'm like, no, like, and I have to, you know, hold that boundary and help him to learn and know that that's not okay to touch me in that way and things like that. Yeah. I have had some of those similar thoughts. Um, Also, you speaking about intentionally sort of remembering and feeling that you have this 
you know, birth wisdom in your bones, in your soul, in your blood, that ancestors of yours also did this birth work. I find that really beautiful. I've had a journey of my own. Like I've been in the birth world for over 10 years. I've been a radical birth keeper for a few years now. And I have only sort of in this last maybe year and a half been realizing that like, you know, remembering, realizing that my mother, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, she unintentionally had a unassisted birth, but like she birthed, you know, she birthed my mother without medical attendance there um, as they were getting ready to leave for the hospital. You know, she had this birth that was untouched. And uh, then also then having this memory of my grandmother, who she's dead at this point, she was 95. Um, but remembering the story she told me of like being at a neighbor's birth, who this neighbor, this woman didn't want to go to the hospital. It wasn't her thing. And so the husband came and got my grandmother and then she went and was witness there for this woman birthing. And she didn't have, you know, formal training. I feel like it's, it's in our soul. It's in our bones. We don't have to have this specific education, not saying that it's not good to learn and know, but like, it also is within us too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like I can respect if, if some, somebody wants a lot of, um, I, I, I can respect that somebody would want a person of authority present for their birth who is bringing a lot of knowledge with them and who can, you know, at the blink of an eye, identify any kind of problem that can go wrong. And I, I, like, I, I can understand that that gives the sense of security to someone. But when I go back to my experience and just turning to my mother and asking her whether what I was feeling was something that she's also felt and just having that very simple reassurance of, yes, what you're feeling <laughs> is absolutely fine and it's normal and it's like you're doing amazing. Like that's literally all that we need, I think. Mm -hmm. To have a woman there who's felt it, who's done it, who's seen it, who went through it and who came out and who just was initiated into motherhood in this way. And yeah, knowledge is important, but also can be overrated when there is something so animalistic and so um, intuitive happening because birth is, it's, it's just an involuntary reflex that if we want to protect it, that means that we shouldn't interfere. And even our thoughts can interfere and so many things can interfere. So it's very, um, it's very delicate, but mm -hmm. um, we are getting back to that knowledge I feel and more and more women are waking up to re-remembering that maybe less is more <laughs> <laughs> yes and that you know nothing is guaranteed in life either that 
whether we birth our babies at home on our own or in a hospital with the like best medical providers that are possible, it doesn't mean that us or our babies will survive. You know, we're likely to survive, but having those people there doesn't necessarily change what perhaps will happen. I don't know if I said that very well, but I hope you know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's for me, the biggest teaching and, and my own experience and in each experience that I have with, um, with the families that I'm working with is just this, the, the question that I keep coming back to is, can you stay with the mystery? Can you allow the mystery to be there? Can you be okay with not knowing and not having any guarantee? Because we never have any fucking guarantee. So whatever way we can try to, yes, you can try to control and have a feeling that you are deciding what's happening, but when we allow that mystery to be there and just stay with it, there is a very potent portal that can give us a passage into something truly otherworldly, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that feels like a good place to sort of move towards our ending. I would love for you to share for people listening that would love to be in contact with you or invest in your services. How can they best do that? Um, So I have a website, um, which is called alunaya.com, A-L-U-N-A-Y-A.com, which is the girl's name that we came up with while I was pregnant and it felt very natural to to name my business because yeah they these are my two babies that were born in the same year so um alunaya.com is my website and on instagram it's at alunaya under under slash how do you underscore is what we call it (laughs) (laughs) okay so alunaya underscore birth and um I'm working on a couple of offerings right now. One of them is a guide for honoring the placenta and it's about traditions around this magnificent organ and all that you need to know to pre-birth your baby and your placenta in the intimacy of your own home. And it's a deep and thorough guide for families who are ready to take responsibility for their birth entirely. And I'm also working on a guide specifically for French mamas and papas. So we're living in France and who need uh, information to navigate the bureaucracy around birth declaration, which can be so tricky. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you for doing that work. I will definitely include links to your website and to your Instagram on the show notes and um, yes and thank you thank you thank you for spending time with us today i hope that you're finding yes (laughs) i hope that all you listeners are finding joy and bliss as you move through your life 
If you're interested in connecting with me deeper, follow the links in the show notes. I offer a free clarity call. And remember that we all gaze upon the same moon, the moon that shifts the tides of all the oceans of the world. We are connected. Be brave, be bold, be love, be you.